Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Stitches Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Manderfeld. You're not getting away from the trade deadline just yet. We're going to be talking about some of the teams that sold, some of the players that we are excited about uh, maybe getting an opportunity because of these teams selling. And you know how much we love talking about prospects and young players. Plenty of that today. And here with me to break it all down, as always, the legendary Nick Budig and Robert Stangler. How you doing, boys? I'm doing great. I'm excited about this. Future of baseball. Future of some clubs that need some some hope. Yeah, when you're selling, you you need some of those young guys to come up and give your fan base some, some love, right? And uh, yeah. some of these teams got them, some of the teams, eh. But, I mean, there, there's some good names we'll be going over today, that's for sure. Yeah, this is yeah. what it's Robert. all about, Luke. These are the future, as Nick said, of baseball for some of these organizations, but... Really, when it comes down to it, this is why I love scouting. These are the players that a lot of people, either they talk about them or they don't, and now we get to start profiling them as what they could be as major leaguers. It's a good time. And that's, you know, I'm pointing out Cubs fans specifically. I don't think they understand that they got some uh, some future major leaguers that replace. Like, you got to understand you got to rebuild in this game, and there's only a few handful of teams that can maintain – uh, a winning culture without rebuilding like full-scale rebuilding and you know those are the teams that have money so uh, the Cubs I think did the right thing I'm pointing them out but I wish my Cardinals would do that I wish they would just do a full-scale rebuild instead of being mediocre for six or seven years so uh, Cubs have a lot to be excited about we'll get into them we're also going to get into the Marlins we're going to get into the Nationals the Twins of course and then also maybe the Pirates if they have some time at the end but uh, these are the teams that did kind of the full-scale sell at the deadline and uh, they got some players back. We'll talk about those players a little bit. We'll talk about some of the players that will get an opportunity. They weren't in the trades, but they might get an opportunity at the major league level now. Um, but before we do that, just make sure to follow along. We'll be here all season on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music. Our social media is at StitchesPod on Facebook and Twitter. And our email is thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. That's thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. Let's start with the Cubs because I called them out. I think we got to start with them. They obviously did a sell. They uh, they sold Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo, their core World Series uh, team. But now they got some young, intriguing guys that we want to go over. We talked about it a little bit last week, but this gets us a little more time to dive deeper. Um, Nick, you kick us off with some of the things you think about the Cubs, some of the young players you're looking forward to. Uh, I think the future is bright in Chicago. Oh, I think it's 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 uh they revamped the core i mean they completely changed out the core and i'm i'm really excited for it um to start off i mean they got nick madrigal in a huge trade i thought i thought i didn't think they were gonna get someone like him for kimbrell um but with him and then they got davis alcantara and canario in the outfield align him with horner i think the the new core is gonna look a lot better i think it's not as for the Cubs right now, not as exciting as from their eyes. They don't have a big bat like Bryant coming up, but it just seems like a more kind of old school kind of core coming up. That I think it's it's more likely to stick and be more more lasting from from what we've seen in the minors for these guys. I, I agree, and you know Brennan Davis, one you pointed out, I'm intrigued by. He's got some thirty thirty upside or twenty twenty upside with the power and speed combo. I know Cubs fans are really excited about him. I've scoured Twitter and seen his name pop up a lot too. And this might be one of the few times that the Cubs actually have an intriguing arm 
coming up, they usually don't have good young arms, at least they haven't recently, because, you know, the front office, when they built that World Series team, focused on position players, and they went to free agency to get those arms. But Braylon Marquez is their number one prospect right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's in double A, so he's probably not going to be up this year, but his fastball is unbelievable. It's one of the best fastballs, you know, among the top prospects. It's got an 80s rating on MLB.com right now, which you never see 80 ratings on MLB.com. They never go that high. So uh, pretty impressive there. Uh, it hits, it, you know, it goes all the way up to 102. And so those two guys alone are excited, but I know Robert's are exciting, but I know Robert's excited about some of the guys that got back from the Giants as well. But uh, Robert, what do you think some of these Cubs guys that are young, maybe we'll get a shot this year. But Well, here's one that I wanted to bring up. Obviously, you brought up Brennan Davis. I think this guy definitely does have 2020 upside. But if you dive into the numbers here, so this season, I believe it is, yes. So single A and double A, he had 11 home runs, bad 275, and had a 914 OPS. He is comparable to Curtis Granderson from the right-handed side because Granderson's a lefty. His numbers in the minor leagues are very identical to him. Their body shape is almost the same. So if you had to comp this guy, I would say he is a right-handed Curtis Granderson. And I know Cub fans would love to hear that because he did play for the Cubs a little bit. But he's also from the Chicago area, that being Curtis Granderson. So I think that's a really cool comp. So there is definitely some good upside as Davis does get on base. But the other guy that I really like actually is Pete Crow Armstrong. Now he was traded for Javier Baez. He's not a guy that has a lot of power. But he has a gorgeous swing. One of the sweetest swings I've seen in a Cubs uh, farm system in a long time, and that's for average. And I don't know about the on-base skills yet. He's only 19, but he throws pretty well. He has a good arm. He's a great defender. And when you look at that profile, this is why I was so hyped up about Dodgers outfielder Cody Bellinger. Now, obviously, Bellinger has way better power and probably a little bit louder tools. But when you have great defense and a great contact stick, that power will grow. He's only 19. I think people aren't valuing Crow Armstrong enough. I think there's some big upside with this guy. I don't know what that is yet, and I don't have a comp, but definitely a guy I really, really like. And then, of course, Canario is one that I think is one of the biggest things to come out of Chicago in a long time. And the reason why is if you look at his swing, it's just like a young Justin Upton for the Arizona Diamondbacks. There's a lot of upside in that. His body is a lot smaller, so it's more of the frame of his brother BJ. But either way, you get a Justin Upton potential or a BJ Upton, that's a win. And those are some loud tools. I'm a huge fan of Canaro because of that. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy, one more guy on the list I really like is that Kelvin Alcantara who came back from the Yankees. He hits home runs everywhere. He's 200 pounds at 19 years old. Big frame guy. Has opposite field, opposite field power that is so raw. This kid's only going to get better. That's another great piece for the Cubs. And obviously Pete yeah. Crow Armstrong is interesting because you're right, he, he's – really young he was also drafted last year and they didn't have a minor league season then he only had 24 at bats this year yeah, and he had a shoulder injury he hasn't played concern. since and so you're right it's it's really hard to like compare him to anyone when you haven't really seen much of him in a high school product so um intriguing for sure they definitely took a flyer on him but i mean it's a pretty good get for javier Baez, who's having a, a really down year and just made a terrible error for the mets last night when i was watching <laughs> and uh, he's continuing his old ways um but the, the thing with this ways. Cubs core, it's going to take a few years for these guys to come up. Mm-hmm. You know, none of these. I'm looking at their top ten prospect li- list right now. None of them are above Double A. There's only four guys at Double A. Most guys are in the High A um, or rookie ball um, league. So it's going to take a few years, Cubs fans. So you're going to have to get used to losing again, which you know they they lost for many years. But 
they can take maybe two or three years before these guys come up, right? Nick, do you have anything you want to add before we move on? Yeah, I was going to touch on the that Crow-Armstrong thing because, I mean, it is interesting that he was drafted last year and traded this year, and we saw that with another guy we're going to talk about, uh, the Twins fans know, which is, I mean, it, it just seems wild to me that teams are doing that right away, flipping these young talents. But uh, obviously, we just you just talked about how with the weight of years, um, everything pretty much has to fall in place for these guys to really pan out for most of the time. But he is kind of projects as that leadoff hitter that the Cubs have not had. I mean, they've used Schwarber, they've used Bryant, they've used Rizzo. I mean, Rizzo is, is on base machine, but he's not your prototypical leadoff hitter. They've used Ian Happ, and they haven't had a true leadoff hitter that Armstrong kind of projects as, as a contact hitting, gets on base, good eye at the plate. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years, but I think it's a win for just getting that kind of guy who is kind of the opposite of what Baez is. Um, and so, I, I mean, it seemed like they almost bought him with trading Javier and Crow Armstrong. And, I mean, Javier, I think it was Williams they traded, and they sent money over. So interesting to me that they got Crow Armstrong for sending that much over. All right, that's the Cubs. Uh, a lot to look forward to there. Let's move on to the Marlins, who also um, were expected to sell, and they, you know, bought pieces in the off season uh, to to sell. And Starling Marte was the big one, shipped off to the A's, but they also trade some relievers. Uh, they got they got a good return, I would say. Uh, Jesus Lazardo is a big one. Um, they got some guys from the Astros as well. Uh, the Marlins have a bright bright future. Their prospect, their farm system is very stacked. Um, you know, Marlins got a lot of crap for when they trade Yelich and Stanton and dismantled that core. And I feel like we've brought this up on the podcast a lot, but they have done a very good job of just slowly building a very deep farm system. And I think, you know, maybe as soon as next year or maybe the year after, they are going to be poised to be a, a pretty good team for years to come because this farm system stacked from the AAA all the way down. They're going to have talent coming up every year. And it, that's something that you, it's, I feel like they have some good long-term sustainability built here. Um, but I digress a little bit. The Marlins, what, what's piqued you about that farm system and maybe someone they got at the deadline or someone you're intrigued about that might get a shot this year? Uh, to, to me, it's, it's kind of what you said. It, it's, so, it's so close. I mean, all their players, it's like the opposite of the Cubs. If they have guys who are on the cusp who haven't got called up yet, I mean, obviously we've heard of – Sanchez, Sanchez has come up, um, Chisholm, Rogers, Diaz, um, Jesus Sanchez. All these guys have come up, and they're top ten guys. But they still have guys like Meyer, who's who's on the cusp of coming up, whether he's going to be a starter or or a lever. They have Edward Cabrera, uh, Peyton Burdick. Um, they just have an endless list of guys who are on the verge of coming up, and and I think for the Marlins in a division that's we kind of don't know what's going to happen next year. I mean, the, the Braves have kind of struggled this year. We don't know what's going to happen next year with them. Um, maybe Miami, or I mean, the Mets might struggle. Nationals are rebuilding. We never know what the Phillies are going to do. So I think, I mean, Miami should be excited. They have a, a young crop that's, like you said, a year, maybe maybe two, but it's it's kind of exciting to see some of these guys just on the verge of coming up. Yeah, I want to talk about a guy that I he was getting some – he wasn't getting a lot of love before we started the podcast. But Brian De La Cruz is the guy they got from the Astros uh, for Yimmy Garcia. And he, he's kind of intriguing to me. Now, I, I don't want to say he's going to be some you know, crazy good player, but he's one of those guys that you have to use to build out a roster. I think he's a solid fourth outfielder. Could be a, a, a starting uh, 
you know, right fielder if he needs to. He's got a decent arm. But he's been tearing it up in AAA, and he's one of those guys that's been slowly getting better over the years. And he's number 29 in the Marlins farm system report right now. Uh, I don't agree with that. I, if you just look at the numbers, I feel like he's he deserves more than that. Uh, we were talking before the podcast about some of these rankings, and how many of these guys actually pan out and make it to the major leagues and make an impact? Like five to seven, maybe? Like or the top it's 15. It's not very many, and most of them are top 15. And so when you're number 29, you're already at the majors and making an impact. Like De La Cruz is on the major league roster right now. Uh, it does that doesn't make any sense to me. I think I, Roberts kind of called out some of yeah, the prospect reports like in the past, and there's definitely some flaws there. But I, Brian De La Cruz, he's interesting to me. You know, he's he's he has some good um, bat to ball skills. Uh, he's hit 324 in AAA this year, the 362 on base percentage. Um, but he's also had some pop to his game over the years, and that was kind of the knock on him. He didn't have very good speed. He's got a decent arm, not that great of a fielder, and that's why he's so low in the prospect reports. But he's had homers homers this year, 12 home runs. Um, and with the decent stick, I think he could stay as a fourth outfielder uh, for the Marlins, maybe even carve out a starting role if he if he makes an impact. Um, but if you just look, go look at his stats in baseball reference, just a slow, gradual in, improvement. And those are the guys I like to see. I've always talked about it. Guys in the minors that don't adjust, I'm, I'm never high in them. We've called out guys like that before on this podcast. It's the guys that strike out a lot and don't seem to want to adjust. I like guys you can see in their numbers and and see them actually change their approach and improve. And that's why I see this guy. So he's intriguing to me. I like him for the Marlins. And he's already getting a shot. So someone to watch yeah, out Yeah, I think I think it kind of helps him. Is, is, I mean, it depends on, depends on who you talk to about his defense. But he has the ability to play all three outfield positions. And like you said, as a fourth outfielder, that's, I mean, not too many teams have a fourth outfielder. that can play all three effectively. Um, and so I think that's, I mean, like you said, building a team around a guy who can do that, fill in for those guys, I think is huge for a team like tomorrow. To be honest, I actually like him more than uh, Jesus Sanchez, believe it or not. So that, that, that just speaks volume of the fact that he was 29 and um, Sanchez was way up there. To me, there's something there. I, I don't know what it is, but his athletic ability and his body style does remind me of, former Starling Marte who was with the Marlins so that that's very interesting it doesn't mean he's even close to the player he is but that athletic body and that size there's something there I don't know what it is yet it's untapped potential and I think that's what it is Luke with him yeah I agree and they also got Jesus Lazardo back which is a pretty good haul and he Huge actually fan. started for him mm-hmm. but he yeah he uh he has some things he's got to improve on for sure and I if he doesn't if he wants to stay out of the bullpen which you know, a guy with a high fastball and not that great of secondary pitches, that's usually where they're bound. But uh, maybe the Marlins can fix them. Yeah, the biggest before, thing so. with him for me is that fastball. Mm-hmm. It's become a hard, sinking fastball. It's gotten a little bit more better velocity. But, again, is he going to change it back to what he had when he was in the bullpen with the A's? Or is he going to trend with what he has now and the Marlins are going to make that hard sinker kind of be similar to Sandy Alcantara, who they also have? So if there's anyone that knows how to work with a sinker, it's the Miami Marlins. Yeah, that rotation could be nasty if these guys figure it out. Just think, like, Sandy yes. Alcantara is nasty. You got Max Meyer, who's one of the top pitching prospects. Jesus Lazardo, if he figures it out. And then you also got Sixto Sanchez. That's a pretty nasty, a potential top four for them. Mm-hmm. And Edward Cabrera is their number four prospect. And he, he he's in AAA right now. So, like, nasty like I said, they're, they're a year or two away the Marlins are from competing. And that NLEs is not particularly strong. And none of the teams really have that deep of farm systems. The Braves a little bit. Um, but 
they've had prospects come up in like recent years that haven't made that big of an impact. So I'm not holding out for them. So I'm actually excited about the Marlins. I was excited about them last year, but I'm even more excited about them now because they keep. I'm really intrigued moves. by JJ Blade too, being a Vanderbilt player, position player. Again, yeah. I have had a lot of criticism on a lot of position players that have come out of that school. But to me, J.J. Blade seems like the more for sure fit that's going to actually pan out. So we'll see if that happens, but I love his tools. They're very loud. Yeah, he was the number f- top five pick two years ago, I think, yeah. number four. So, yeah, pretty impressive. Marlins stockpiling mm-hmm. that system. All right, it reminds mm-hmm. me of the Pirates. Just a, one more thing on the Marlins. How they kind of stockpiled their system before they – now they're starting to compete, and they still have a really deep farm system. That's what the Marlins are reminding me of right now. Um, okay, let's move on to the Twins, who were one of the bigger sellers as well. Uh, yeah, obviously trading Jose Barrios was was the big move for them, but they also trade some relievers. So uh, the Twins now have they've also they've had a decent farm system, but they kind of restocked it. I know Robert, you probably don't want to talk about Joe Ryan again, but you know he's he's in that farm system. He's one of Robert's favorite prospects. He uh, will be excited to see when he goes to the Saints after the uh, the Olympics. Uh, a guy I want to talk about, it didn't come in a trade, but he's been tearing it up, and he's close to major leagues. That's Jose Miranda, uh, an infielder who's playing for the Saints right now, and uh, he's really made a name for himself. He's number 19 on the Twins prospect list, but I honestly think that's a little outdated just because the way the, the, uh, the season that he's having is um, proving those wrong. Uh, let me pull it up. So he just got called up to triple-A to this year. He was in double-A where he was tearing it up. And in 123 at-bats, he already has nine home runs, and he's hitting 350 with a 413 on base percentage. And that's in triple-A. In double-A, he had 194 at-bats with 13 home runs, hitting 345 with a 408 on base percentage, even chipped in four steals. Um, I don't think Jose Miranda is going to be anything crazy. Uh, I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's a good slugger. But he's also kind of limited because his fielding ability – isn't that great? You know, Nick, you mentioned they played second base a little bit, but they're playing him a lot at first base with the Saints. And I think that's because Miguel Sano is at first base. And I, I, would, I honestly, I think we've all talked about this. We're getting kind of sick of the Miguel Sano train for the Twins. I think Jose Miranda is better than Miguel Sano, and I'd like to see him get a shot this year to prove that. The Twins already have called up some of their top rookies. Miranda's not really a top rookie for them. They don't really need to assert his time with him. I think they need to give him a call, give him a call up and, and give him a shot. I watched him uh, last week with the Saints when I went to a game. Uh, he went two for four, had a home run and a double, and the home run was absolutely destroyed. Like the exit velocity, they don't have him, and they probably did somewhere, but it, it was a line drive. And then he also roped a double. Um, I'm impressed. I think there's some swing and miss there, but there's a lot of players like that. Sano is definitely the top of the list there. So I'd like Moran to get a shot. I'm excited about him. Uh, another thing yeah, I saw I, in the news today, Austin Martin, they're going to be trying about center field. That's mm-hmm. kind of intriguing, right? Mm-hmm. I, was, I mean, that was kind of the, the big thing with him was his position. I think that's a lot of the where a lot of the beef is coming with the scouts is he doesn't really have a position because of his arm. I think it's a lot weaker than a lot of them thought. Uh, but he still has the, the speed and uh, just the ability to get to the ball effectively just the, the arm is the question why he lost his third base ability um well he lost shortstop in the call in, in with Vanderbilt just because he didn't have the arm strength and all that so it'll be interesting to see if he does play center but uh, I agree with you on uh with calling up Miranda sooner than later but just because of the question marks coming with him was if he could hit the power tool 
Um, a lot of people thought there was potential for it. And especially right now, I mean, baseball, and I mean, most all sports, is it's just confidence game. And so if a guy's hitting, if he's raking right now, why not just call him up call him up sooner than later and not, not wait for him to kind of settle down and, and, and start to slump a little bit. But uh, see what he can do right now with the stick. See what he can do right now with that, with that home run barrage he's got. Um, so, I, I mean, I really liked him. I liked him when they called him up to AAA just because what he did was um, – was pretty impressive. I mean, he went five for six with uh, three home runs in his uh, AAA debut. Um, so that was I mean, that was pretty pretty exciting to see. Um, a guy I I really like is I think I might steal this guy from from Paul, but he was the guy they traded from from uh, from Miami in the Romo trade, um, or they got him with Romo. His name's Chris Valamont. Uh, he's a starting pitcher, and he's uh, he's been pretty nasty since the Twins got him. Um, the question is if he sticks at, at the starter role. I mean, he's big. He's got starter starter uh, a build, but uh, I mean, he's got a nice fastball that uh, kind of gets up to 95. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. He's another guy that that they should call up sooner or later, just because he isn't a high prospect, and and just to see what this guy really can do in the the majors. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know if you need to talk too much about them, but they do have guys that are close to the major leagues, and that's important because they're going to be trying to—they're going to be trying to compete next year, I would believe. So, some of the pitchers they got back, I think we could see Austin Martin next year, and we'll see Joe Ryan. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson's twenty, but he's in Double A already, so he's pretty advanced for that age. Yeah, I'm hoping we'll uh, Jordan Blazevac. Uh, I was going to say I'm, uh, go I was ahead, just hoping Robert, Jordan Blazevac kind of moves up pretty quick too. I really like how he hides the ball. I think that's his biggest weapon: his deception and his delivery. Yeah, and they also have Duran, who's also who's hurt, but he was kind of tearing yeah. it up as well. Um, they got some some decent, intriguing arms, and obviously, you know, Josh Widener was uh, represented them at the uh, the Futures game. I Me wasn't neither. super <laughs> impressed by him, but he's having no. he's doing pretty well in the minors, mm-hmm. so it's intriguing for sure. All right, let's move on to the last team here. Uh, we're going to talk about the Nationals. The Nationals uh dismantled they didn't dismantle it but they they got rid of some pieces that helped them win the world series kind of like the cubs uh most noticeably is trey turner and max scherzer but they got some big prospects back from the dodgers most notably uh kiebert ruiz and josiah gray uh, a catcher and a pitcher uh the nationals guys they uh i don't they might have the weaker farm system out of the four teams we talked about today um, but those two guys i mentioned are intriguing right yeah, I mean those guys jump straight to the top of their their farm system, and uh, I mean you're talking about the the Cubs being far away. The Nationals are ridiculously far away from uh, with a lot of their prospects. I mean, with, before they got Gray and, and Ruiz, it was it was high and 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 rookie ball pretty much for all those guys, and uh, especially after they graduated Garcia and and Keyboom. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Ruiz and Gray do gray do when they when they get a chance on this team um but i mean also just seeing the guys they have up there right now with garcia and kiboom and even berea uh the, the the starting catcher right now it's uh it's an interesting uh interesting group like you said it's a pretty weak farm system but they're also pretty far away and and hopefully projections do change um and another guy they have right now that isn't part of the future um is yadiel hernandez he he's that cuban that came over he's he's old like i said he's not part of the future or anything but he raked uh, and he's a he's a big hitter he struggled a little bit last year but uh he'll be exciting to see what the, what happens with him i mean he's kind of in that not 
in the superstar Mercedes category when he came up, but he's still kind of, he's got a big stick. He's not in the future, so we'll see what they do next year if they keep him or not, but uh, let's just see what this gets. This guy does. Yeah, it's so interesting that you brought him up, Nick, because I was going to talk about him. This is a guy that's been more fitting the bench role, coming off the bench and hitting and being a fourth outfielder. But this guy hit 33 home runs in 2019, and I know that was the year that everyone hit a lot of home runs. But even in 2018, he had 18 home runs. His on base was 369 in 2018. This guy can get on base. This guy can flat out hit. The question is, how long is he going to stay in the Nationals uniform? Mm -hmm. Because he is 33 years old. But giving him a shot is very intriguing, and I really hope he does put out some pretty good numbers. Yeah. He's tearing it up right now. I think it's going to be a long rebuild for the Nationals, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be, be a, a they'll, long they'll make ride. Some I mean, they've got some pieces they can move, I feel. Um, so, All right, well, it's a little bit of a shorter episode today, but we went also had like an hour-long episode just a few days ago for the trade deadline, so excuse us. But uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have some more baseball to break down. Hope you enjoyed this one. We always love, like I said, love talking about young players and the future of baseball. Uh, make sure to follow along. We'll be here every week throughout the rest of the season. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever it gets your audio. You can find us on social media at Stitches Pod on Facebook and Twitter. And our email is thestitchespodcast at gmail.com, thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. All right. We'll talk to you all later. Thanks for tuning in and take care.